It has been great to be yoked in ministry with these folks that have been up here this morning. I tell you what. And especially to be yoked with this woman sitting right down here who's been at three of the four services. How she puts up with me, I never know. I hope over the last few days you've gained more memories than you have pounds. I've gained a few memories that I'll cherish. The other day I took my six grandsons, ages 2 to 12, out to some property in Spencer County. We went out there to roast wieners and shoot the BB guns that I had bought all of them last year. Yeah, that can be dangerous. So anyway, we got the fire pit, we built a fire, we were going to roast <clears throat> wieners, and they got the gathering corn out in the cornfields. It was out there where nobody was, it was quiet. They were running up and down the corn rows, gathering corn, finding corn, seeing who could find the most corn that hadn't been gathered. About that time they came in, we started to eat the hot dogs that I had been preparing and got out the grapes. Susan always sends good nutritional stuff along with our comfort food. And so we started to eat, and my seven-year-old grandson said, Papa, we forgot to pray. I said, oh, well, then why don't you lead us in prayer? And he did. And it was just such a, a wonderful prayer to hear them talk about what we had been experiencing out there. And before the afternoon was over, we prayed again for all the thanksgiving, for all the things that we were so thankful for. And the, just the thought of that we could survive on our own if the world were to come to an end as we knew it, and we had to live off the land. We were convinced we could do it. As long as Nana sent the grapes and the chips and the hot dogs, we could make it. Good memories. Well, Jesus came the first time to save us. And oh, we're going to celebrate that beginning today. All over, because we celebrate it as Christians all year round. We celebrate the fact that He is the Messiah. He's the promised anointed one. He's the King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace. He has come into our world to make a difference in our destiny. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is Jesus the Savior. We celebrate that. But He's going to come again. And until He comes, Jesus in John chapter 14 began to comfort His disciples that they became so saddened over the fact that He was not going to be around much longer. That He wasn't going to be physically present. And Jesus began to comfort them. In fact, He said in John chapter 16 and verse 33, he says, in this world, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Earlier he had said to them, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Jesus was realistic. He said, it, I've been here, I've lived here. It's going to be tough. You see, what we have to figure out is how do we live in between the first advent when Jesus came to save us and when He came 
when he is coming the second time to redeem us, to redeem us completely, to take us to heaven where we don't have to put up with any of this anymore. How do we live while we wait for that? I don't know about you, but the world offers all kinds of solutions. They offer all kinds of things. They take good things that God has made and turn them into things that aren't so good for us. In fact, they can, the world can turn something like food, which is nutritious and good for the body, into comfort food. And it puts on pounds, right? To the point that we are the second most obese nation in the world, only behind Mexico. Comfort shoppers. We need to get things to survive. But when shopping turns into something other than supplying for our needs, it becomes something very unhealthy for us. We have to watch out for how Satan tricks us into thinking that we need this or that and that it is for our comfort. We even have comfort hobbies. In fact, I was in a home the other day and there was a big sign by the television that said, we interrupt this marriage for football season. And there's a reason why Brad Paisley's song, I'm sure going to miss her, was such a mega hit. Because we identify with people that have put their hobbies above relationships and above the things that matter. Some people make humor. Some people even make anger, comfort. In fact, I was with a guy the other day who was going through a very difficult time, and I went to see him to try to encourage him. And I was teaching him about praying and relaxation and distraction about how he could get through this really difficult time in his life <clears throat> and he looked at me but he says I feel guilty unless I'm worrying about my situation and I said isn't Satan crafty to make us feel guilty when we're doing something that is unhealthy for us how do we live while we wait how do we get through that time when He came to save us, and when He returns to redeem us, and to redeem us completely. Well, there's a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. If you want to open it up to your Bible in whatever format you have, or if you want to look on the screen where we will have it posted, there's a scripture that helps us understand some things about how to get through this time. What Jesus told his disciples, I want you to be comforted. But here's how Paul summed up that as he was talking to the church in Corinth. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. How does he have compassion? He was here in the flesh. He understands what we're going through. And the God of all comfort. I love the translation that says, and the God from whom all help comes. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Comfort comes from God. Does it come at the way in which we need it from anywhere else? 
Only God can provide the type of comfort that we need in this in-between time. And it comes to us. And it comes from a God who understands. It comes from a God who knows us better than anyone knows us. It comes to us and comforts us in all of our troubles, which can be translated afflictions, hardships, troubles, whatever you want to call it. And he says, here's, here's one of the things about it. It's so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You see, once you have experienced the comfort of God, just like your salvation, you don't get your salvation and not want to share it because it is meant so much for you. It changes your destiny. When you get the comfort from God, it is so that we can share it with others, so that we can comfort others. It, that's discipleship. We pass on the good that God has done in our lives to others so that they can experience it. And he goes on to say, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. Look at that for a moment. Jesus came to this earth to be able to identify with us in our humanity. Now that Jesus is gone back to heaven to return, to call us up in the sky to meet him, to take us to heaven, while we're here, the sufferings that we go through cause us to be identified with Jesus. He came to this earth to identify with us as humans but we suffer as He suffered to identify with Him. Without suffering, you do not know what Jesus went through. I don't know. Without sufferings and without the comfort that comes from having suffered, we do not have that which overflows or abounds out abundantly to other people. We don't have to give unless we have experienced the sufferings of Christ to identify with Him. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces patient endurance. I'm sure all of you have got that characteristic down pat. How do you do with your hardships and afflictions? Do you endure it with patience or do you endure it complaining, grumbling, griping, fussing, not liking it? He says it's to produce in us patient endurance. And our hope for you is firm as you share in our sufferings. So also you share in our comfort. If you haven't got the idea yet, he's used the word comfort ten times in five verses. Now look, beginning in verse 8 of the same chapter where Paul gives an example of how he has experienced this. We do not want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia, for we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. 
me tell you about his experience in Asia. Probably what happened in Acts chapter 19, where he was in Ephesus, in the province of Asia. He had been planting churches all around the world, some very difficult places, some receptive places, some unreceptive places, being beaten, being robbed, being cold, being without support, being without help. But in Ephesus, he gets there, and there are 12 disciples who have been baptized with John's baptism. He taught them about Jesus. They were baptized in the name of Jesus and received the Holy Spirit. The work got started off. He was invited into the synagogue where he preached for three months, preaching persuasively about who Jesus was. Many people believed, but the leaders saw where that was going to lead, so they kicked him out of the synagogue. By then, the public officials had recognized what a blessing Paul was and they invited him to stay and to continue his ministry in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And there it says he stayed for two years preaching and teaching and the word of God was powerful and it spread throughout all the province of Asia. Things were going great. They went great for a long time, longer than anywhere he had ever been. And the Word of God was powerful. It was so powerful that there was healing going on. And the Word of God was being embraced by the whole community. In fact, there were some false teachers or some religious leaders of the, of the area and there in Ephesus who wanted to do that. And so they started casting out demons. And once when they were trying to cast out demon of a demon-possessed man, the demon spoke from the man and said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who in the world are you? And the demon came out of the man, beat him up, left him bleeding, and he ran out naked. Now, when's the last time you were in an assembly like that? God was so present. And so powerful that amazing things were doing to spread the gospel throughout the whole province of Asia. Do you think Satan liked that? Not at all. So he rose, raised up Demetrius, a silversmith, who made his living creating silver shrines to the great goddess Artemis of the Ephesians. And he stirred up the crowds re just gathered nearly the whole city in a town hall type meeting in a theater in Ephesus. And for two solid hours, they shouted at the top of their voice, stirring up hysteria. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Over and over again, even the local officials persuaded Paul not to go into the theater. And they drug people in there. And finally, it was disassembled. Paul says of that, we despaired of life itself. That we felt like we had received the sentence of death. But look at this. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Why were they going through this after having it so good for so long? Paul said it was so that they would not get to the point 
of relying on their on themselves, but they would learn to rely on God. Kind of gives new light on our struggles, doesn't it? On our trials, on our afflictions, on our disappointments, on all that we go through in this in-between time. It is to help us know that God is the answer. It's to help us know that we can't figure it out ourselves. No matter how brilliant, no matter how good we get at analyzing things and developing new theories and therapies and, and, and treatments, God is still the answer. And until we learn to rely on Him, not much comfort comes. Not much comfort comes. And he went on to say, He raises the dead and He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and He will deliver us again and again and again. And he went on to say, and I'll just paraphrase this, but he went on to say, it is because of the prayers of many. Trust God. Rely on God. But then tell as many people as you can to pray for you. And in doing so, you will receive a marvelous gift. He believed the gift that the gift of deliverance that they had there in the province of Asia was because of their trusting on God and not on themselves and because many people were praying for them and God answered their prayers and provided a marvelous gift. You see, churches sometimes grow. Sometimes they really expand the kingdom. And one of Satan's greatest tricks is to tell you that you did it. Sometimes things go good for you. Sometimes you get all the things you need. Sometimes life is great. And Satan's temptation is to say, you caused this. You're pretty special. You're unbelievable. You ought to go on a tour of lecturing and tell about your great self. And Paul says, we experience trouble and hardship so that we would not learn to depend on ourselves, but on God. Isn't that something? Let me read you something that's fresh off the press. The personal story of someone who's experienced the same thing that Paul experienced. The person writes, for the last 10 years, my life has been a roller coaster ride, always hectic, chaotic, full of hurt, anger, bitterness, sadness, depression. I cannot find any peace or happiness. It did not exist in my life. The past three years were the worst of all. My husband and I were separated twice. My son had become an addict, and I almost lost him to addiction. I was miserable at my job and also dealing with my own debilitating health issues. I thought to myself, why me, Lord, why? I didn't understand. I hadn't done anything so bad as to deserve all this pain. I had gone to church most of my life and thought I was trying to do my best. In fact, during the last two years, I have been faithful to attending church, giving tithes, going to counseling. I wish she had said, that fixed me. 
Some days would be better than others. But still, I felt no peace, no happiness. Again, I didn't understand why me. I had reconciled with my husband, and our marriage was better than ever. It wasn't until after my son went to a long-term inpatient rehab facility did I start to understand why me. I had been praying for him and had asked other people to pray for him as well. But I was still felt lost, numb, struggling just to get through the day, still asking why me. I kept praying and asking for guidance and wisdom and knowledge. Just show me a sign, God. What do you want from me? Finally, it began happening. I didn't realize it at first. It wasn't until a few months later when I was starting to feel peace and joy and even caught myself smiling a time or two. It was in the helping of others that were struggling and going through hard times. Most of them, having been through more than most people could ever imagine, in fact, I had started attending meetings trying to understand the disease of addiction that my son was battling on a daily basis because I wanted to be prepared when he returned home. Not only have I learned about the disease of addiction, but the best was taught to me. And that is the gift of giving of yourself and the power of Whether it was getting someone a few clothing items as they were leaving jail and headed to a rehab or simply lending my shoulder for someone to cry on or just praying with them and giving them hope. I was not only helping others, but God was healing me in the process. My bitterness, anger, sadness were lifting my heart no longer felt like it weighed 10,000 pounds. I now understand why me. All the pain I have felt and all the trials I've been through were necessary for my healing and my growth. So that in return, I could help others and be healed even more. I didn't like it when people told me that I was going to be better off for having gone through my trials and tribulations and afflictions. I didn't want to have to go through them. I'd rather not. There's some things I've learned about comfort from studying this lesson, reading from Genesis to Revelation. One of the things I've learned is this. Real Deep down, soul-healing comfort originates with God and comes from nowhere else like it does from Him. It comforts us at the deepest level possible because that's where our strongest and most debilitating pain lies. It comes from God. And it comforts us at the deepest level. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff 
are with me. And they comfort me. Only God. Oh yes, others can help. Churches can help. Counseling centers can help. But only God can give you what you really deep down in your inner being need. Only God. But comfort does come as well from those who have received comfort from God at that level. Comfort comes from those who have, and you don't even, people who have been comforted at that level don't have to say a word. They can just be in your presence and you know that they have experienced something that causes them to identify with you and they have something that you need. Comforted people from people comforted by God at that level comfort others. And you're so needed. If you've been comforted by God at that level, there is so much that you have to offer. Start offering it, maybe in little increments, but start offering it. God comforted you so that you could be able to be a presence of comfort for others. I've also learned that comfort comes in truth. It is only truth that can comfort. It has to be from God. All the lies come from Satan. I've learned that comfort comes from his love. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, he goes on to say, be like-minded, be like Jesus. I can't tell you the number of people that I've just, when they have been in that moment of such pain, whether it's an anorexic teenager whose life has just about been shot, or parents who've lost a child, or somebody who's received bad news, or what I can't tell you how many times I've just said, I hope you know. I hope you know how much God loves you and how much this hurts Him as well. He is with you. He knows. And He loves you so unconditionally. I've learned also that comfort comes to those who mourn. Blessed, blissful, happy are those who mourn, who can cry and weep over their sins and the sins of others, who can cry and and weep over the disasters in other people's lives. Blessed are you. Happy are you. Blissful are you. Blessed are you. Are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. At one time in my life, during about a 10-year period, I went through more heartache than I ever thought imaginable. It came from all directions. It came from disappointments in people, disappointments in me. It came from disappointments in, in life itself. It came from hurt and pain. It came from loss It came from grief. It came in every direction. 
And in order to survive, I quit feeling. And I noticed that I no longer cried. I hope you can cry. I hope you can weep when you discover the real truths about yourself and just cry over your lostness or your ineptness and turn to God and rely on Him to supply what you need. I've learned that comfort comes through good, godly preaching to those who prophesy. They do it for the strengthening, encouraging, and comfort of people. I want you to leave today comforted because when you get outside of those doors, the world happens. <laughs> and sometimes it is tough. And it is not explainable. And you got all these questions and all these confusions. But in here, I want you to be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted with the rest of us. Encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And I've learned that comfort, nothing comforts like knowing that God has forgiven you, that others have forgiven me, and then in return, I can forgive those who've hurt me. Nothing comforts like being forgiven and forgiving others. It's a double-edged sword. When you're forgiven and you know that you're forgiven, you've got to turn and forgive those who've hurt you. Nothing comforts, nothing takes away that deep hurt like just Feeling you're forgiven. When somebody asks for forgiveness, say, I forgive you. Say, God forgives you. Paul to the Corinthians, he simply said, he said, forgive him and comfort him lest he be overwhelmed with sorrow. Who was he talking about? A person that in his earlier letter he had encouraged them to cast him out to Satan to discipline him because he had committed adultery with his father's wife and they were all members of the same church. And it worked. He repented. And now Paul is saying, he's repented. It worked. You don't have to keep disciplining him. Now forgive him. Comfort him. Don't let him be overwhelmed with excessive sorrow. Lift him up. Build him up. Do that for people. Don't say, let me tell you about how bad I am, because if you're that bad, you need to repent. Give them what they've asked for, what they need. They need forgiveness, and they need it from you if they've asked for it. Give it to them. Well, let me just give you three takeaways, three quick takeaways from this lesson. Here they are. Be comforted by trusting in God to take away your pain. Overcome your troubles. Overcome your anxieties. Overcome your fears. Overcome whatever is bothering you 
with trusting God who comforts at the deepest level, who can do more than anything we can ask or imagine. Trust Him. Trust that it'll come. My experience is it takes a while, but it does come. Some people, it happens instantaneously. Those miraculous interventions by God happen rarely for me. It takes a while. There's lessons to be learned. And then be transformed. Let the Holy Spirit do its transforming work. We can't do it. The church can't do it. We don't have a, a Mr. Fix-It sign on the counseling center or out front, crossroads, Mr. Fix-It center. That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He's the only one that can give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I can't. No one can. Don't try. Just be a comforter. And then be comforted by comforting others with the comfort you've received, which is discipleship. It's just passing it on, the blessings you've received. Let me ask you one more question, and then the lesson is yours. Here's the question. Are you at the point in your life where you can say, I am thankful for my troubles? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. The other day I was in a meeting where we were talking about things that we're thankful for, and somebody spoke up and said, I am thankful for my cancer and the ordeal that I had to go through because of my cancer. And the person went on to say, I would hate to go through life not knowing the things that cancer taught me. And I was reflecting on my own afflictions and struggles, and I thought, wow, I'm not there. I can't say. I, I wish, I wish I'd have had a nurturing father who had taught me about God instead of about lust. I wish I would have had a perfect marriage where it would have just been natural like I imagined it was going to be and it would take no work to have a good marriage. I wish I could have had that. I wish I, my children would have made all good decisions and, and been just perfect like I thought that I could raise them to be. I still have hope for my grandchildren. How foolish is that? <laughs> I wish I hadn't have experienced all the losses and disappointments and hurt by the people that I love the most. I wish it hadn't happened. I am grateful for the things I've learned that I might be able to pass it on to others. I am grateful that I've discovered that I have no power, no therapy within me, no insight, nothing that helps like God does. The God of all comfort, the God 
from whom all help comes. I hope he comes to you if you're struggling mightily today. I hope he gets way down deep inside of you. And I hope he brings you that which you're looking for. Because he's the only one that can. But we have to surrender to him, to his ways, his timing, his will for our lives. We're going to have pastors and people who can pray with you. We're going to have a bunch of wounded healers up here. And words of Henry Nowen. But if you're a Christian, you are a wounded healer. It wouldn't bother me if I saw many of you just sitting where you are, sensing that someone could pray with you and for you and bring comfort into your lives right now, where you are. wouldn't bother me at all. Just let the whole place erupt in using you to bless others with the blessings that you have received. But if we can help you in a special way this morning, please don't hesitate to come. Come while we stand, while we sing, while we worship.